Hello and welcome to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. This is episode 11 of the most influential weekly podcast to come out of the Saskatchewan business community. On each episode, Paul Martin, business commentator and the chair of Martin Charlton Communications, brings us the stories behind the headlines and explains why each story matters to you. On today's episode, we talk about why we should look at statistics with caution, especially when we're talking about the per capita number. Governments publish lots of information per capita, which always ends up with someone at the top and someone at the bottom of the table. But is it truly representative? Paul, uh, it's episode 11, per capita, where's the problem? You know, governments are very fond of saying they don't like to pick winners and losers. And uh, often this is in the context of, I don't want to support this business versus that one or that sort of thing. But in fact, anytime anyone makes a decision, you've picked one over the other. You've picked a winner and a loser. You had two, three options. You selected one. So, you know, you can pay all kinds of lip service to the notion of, I don't like to choose winners over losers. But in reality, anytime you make a decision, you are doing just that. You're picking a winner and you're picking a loser. So one of the the topics that kind of gets under my hide a little bit is when we, uh, the, the, the mechanism, I guess, we use to, uh, to calculate certain things in this country, to me, they're skewed, they're picked, uh, they are ultimately picking a winner and a loser. And uh, two of my favorites, uh, perhaps the most timely right now is the notion of, uh, emissions into the atmosphere and, uh, uh, you know, who is the greatest carbon polluter and that kind of stuff. And on a per capita basis, Saskatchewan is listed as Canada's most significant emitter. So we produce more per capita uh, than anyone else in the country. And here's, you know, that's sort of cool, except for the part, uh, it, it's cool, I guess, if you have an agenda. And here's the agenda. Uh, we also, while perhaps being on a per capita basis, the most significant emitters, we're also the least significant politically because we don't have very much population. So here's the flaw in this thing. Imagine if Saskatchewan were simply to double its population. We don't change you know, the primary drivers. We don't produce any more oil or any more potash or any more grain. We just double our population. Well, on a per capita basis, our emissions would fall in half because we have the same emissions, but now twice as many people. So we would go from worst to first. But think about it. Do you think that if we added another million, a million to population to the province that we would actually emit less carbon? In fact, we would do more, but the way we calculate this stuff is designed to actually kind of misrepresent it. So I think that there is an agenda here which is designed to satisfy the political heartland, which is the big cities. And I think that if you were to just take this completely from another angle and you just said, let's look at it from Mother Nature's perspective, and we talk about how much carbon gets dumped into the atmosphere, not on a per capita basis, but on a per cubic meter of air over your geography basis, which means that more tons per cubic meter would be dumped into the air in Toronto simply because of the number of vehicles, for example, than would be happening over Davidson, Saskatchewan. And Mother Nature really doesn't care whether we calculate it on a per capita basis or not. She just looks at it and says, how much crap are you dumping into my atmosphere over a certain period of space, over a certain space? So 
you know, there's a reason that Toronto has air pollution and smog and Davidson doesn't. It's because there's a flaw in the way we do this calculation. It's designed really to satisfy big urban areas where there are big political votes and they don't want to have to be telling, governments don't want to have to say to these large numbers of elected people or, or, you know, uh, vote-rich communities that you're a problem. They want us out here in the boonies to be a problem. And unfortunately, there really does create some strain and stress on the unity of the country. I mean, you know, you talk about Western alienation and those kinds of things. These are the little irritants that are contributors to this, that, you know, they like to put us down and blame Alberta as the biggest problem for carbon and, and, you know, or blame Saskatchewan. In point of fact, there is more carbon sequestered in farmland in Saskatchewan today than there was before contact with the European settler. So not only have we not, you know, we've actually gone the other way on this. We're, we're sequestering, we're storing more carbon in the soil than was done naturally. So we've actually been a contributor. But if you look at the numbers, you would assume that we are, you know, like this is just a wasteland that you can't see, you cut the, the air with a knife sort of thing. And in fact, that's not it at all. Take a look at, at the sky over Regina or Saskatoon. It's always clear. Eh, Toronto can't say that. Uh, you know, big cities can't say that. But yet, politically, it's a wonderful calculation because it shifts responsibility from high-density population areas to those that are you know, less politically important. And you get the same kind of measurement when we take a look at crime stats, for example. You'll see, you know, a city in Saskatchewan is the most violent uh, in the country because there are violent or what they call major crimes per 100,000 per capita, basically. But yet, if you were walking down the street in any community in Saskatchewan, your likelihood of being, you know, shot at random are zero. But yet, if you walk down Danforth in Toronto, yeah, you could get caught by a stray bullet. I mean, the other poignant fact here is that a lot of this stuff is these these crimes, especially ones where, you know, random citizens are caught in the crossfire, are precipitated or perpetrated by gangs. And there is no margin in running organized crime or a gang in a community with a population of 500 or 100,000 or 250,000 for that matter. Organized crime goes to big cities, and that's where you're more likely to find random shootouts going on on the street in you know, places like Vancouver or the suburbs of Vancouver or in Toronto than you are in North Battleford, Saskatchewan, I can tell you that. So here's this is the frustration that these measures that we use and you know, we build policy around them and that kind of stuff are actually a construct designed to appease a political crowd. And they're not really particularly scientific because we should really on the on the emissions piece, for example, be measuring emissions on the basis of how much the atmosphere over a specific piece of geography can hold rather than the number of people underneath that particular piece of airspace. Do you think that there's a, a, a balancing act to all of this? Yes, we know that it's used as an ugly tool to to gain votes in one area over another, and this east-west divide continues to to really have impact. But when we look at economic drivers, when we talk about economic development and the drive to grow, do you think that the country should almost just 
grow up and say, look, let's get rid of these metrics. They're completely irrelevant. Let's stop using them as weaponry from one part of the country to another. We're all trying to grow together. This is affecting policy in a negative way. You know, Regina, Saskatoon, Prince Albert, etc. We're all trying to grow in the best, most sustainable way. Uh, and, and things like this are just a, a bat that you keep smashing us over the head with. Yeah, it's an interesting observation. And, uh, you know, I mean, in an ideal world, I guess what you've just postulated makes uh, has a degree of appeal. But in point of fact, the political realm is operated by humans and uh, they are out there for their own, uh, you know, their own personal kind of gain and all of this. And, and it, it's not restricted to Canada, but it really, you know, I think you'd see similar kinds of things in the U.S. But if you were to just think about it in this context, we have a government in Ottawa today, for example, which is all about inclusion and, uh, you know, not excluding anyone, but yet the political rhetoric and the tools they choose to espouse that are exclusionary. And if you were to take, as you just suggested, Dan, that we want more growth, shouldn't we want to spread it out across the country so all regions benefit equally? But in fact, what we see is, you know, that it, it tends to migrate towards larger communities. Now, you can't blame government for that. I mean, private sector investors are making these decisions every day of the week. And yet the flip side irony of all of this is when I, you know, just watch the, the most recent federal election, for example, the primary issue in all of this, especially in Toronto and uh, to a lesser degree, Montreal, Vancouver, was affordability of housing. And yet, you know, uh, 1.1 million is now sort of the average going number for a house in Toronto. And yet in Saskatchewan, you can buy it for 350000 Theoretically, shouldn't government, if it's trying to resolve this problem, be doing what it can to encourage people to move to regions where it is less pricey? But they don't do that because there's a political reason, you know, that's politically it doesn't make any sense for them because, it, you know, it works really well in their favor right now. But it it also is the more government you get involved in this kind of stuff, the more expensive the housing becomes as they impose more and more rules on things like density and they make it harder to uh, get a development permit. Uh, I was talking to a developer or a builder who suggested that there's probably a direct correlation between uh, the time it takes to build a, get approval to, or sorry, the cost of a house in a community has got a direct correlation to the number of words in its uh, zoning bylaw. That the, the bigger the city, the bigger the bylaw, which means it takes longer to navigate through the bureaucracy. And so time is money. And that means the price of housing goes up. So, uh, you know, I haven't done the research, but I'm guessing the Toronto zoning bylaw is longer than the one in Yorkton, Saskatchewan. So here's where it really interests me. When we take the political color out of this from, from you know, left-leaning or right-leaning, do we see in successive governments, federal governments particularly, a change in the mindset when it comes to how they deal with this issue of empowering smaller centers or keeping all the power in the big centers? Does it really change with conservative, federal, federal liberal, etc.? Uh, it doesn't seem to, because uh, this is uh, kind of the bureaucratic push. But I mean, at the end of the day, this is about fairness. It's about how we portray the the 
conduct of the citizenry within the community. And so when we choose to measure things in a certain way, uh, we're skewing it. And all I'm saying is, all right, if you've got to use that measure, per capita is the one that you feel most comfortable about, then please offset it with one that would be, uh, you know, equally balancing on the other side. And, and in the case of emissions, for example, wouldn't it make more sense uh, to say, all right, here's on a per capita basis, the emissions of all the provinces or all the major metropolitan areas in the country. And on the flip side, this is what their air quality looks like, or this is the, you know, the volume that the uh, airspace over top of those communities can sustain. Because I would guess that the particulate matter per cubic meter over Saskatchewan is dramatically lower than it is over the, the Golden Horseshoe in Southern Ontario. But we don't see that measurement. And all I'm saying is, in the interests of fairness, because when we portray these numbers, it creates an image in the minds of the citizenry. And so it is a way of dividing the country rather than one of trying to mobilize public opinion and sentiment towards a particular outcome. In fact, it's more debilitating and divisive than it is anywhere near, you know, helping us resolve the problem of, you know, fighting climate change. You have just described perfectly a conversation that I had only last week with someone who's investing in a company uh, and he's keeping it in Ontario. Uh, just, just as a you know, as a query to him, I said, well, why wouldn't you look at Saskatchewan? And his impressions were, well, there's lots of crime and, you know, it feels like it might be polluted and, and less open to what he's doing. And I'm like, I don't think, I don't think you could get any further from the truth. This is a very welcoming environment indeed. So the perception for these numbers certainly does trickle down. There's no question. And, uh, you know, if you're a skilled politician, you can utilize that. And politics is about wedges. And the wedges have been, you know, lodged in very, very uh, tightly in this country, very effectively. And uh, those at the center of the universe are skilled at doing it. And let's face it, why do you stand on your head to get votes in Saskatchewan? There aren't any here really to speak of. I mean, the votes are in Southern Ontario. So all the systems must be skewed to make Toronto feel good about itself. And as a consequence, you end up with great divisions in the country. And, and I think this is less evident in the U.S. than it is in Canada. And, and you know, you wouldn't see that if you watched uh, the late night comedians. I mean, they divide the country in the U.S. Uh, between the two board, uh, the two uh, seaboards and then the, the middle of the country. But, but here's one thing that I've noticed about America in the commercial sense that we don't have in Canada. If you come up with a good idea in Omaha, Nebraska, People in New York will pay attention to it because it's a good idea. If you come up with a good idea in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Toronto doesn't care. They won't pay attention. It couldn't have happened in Saskatoon. Surely it couldn't have happened. It can't. It must be discounted because it's from Saskatoon. And you know, Americans are, are uh, you know, they're not quite as removed from that situation as we are in Canada that if you aren't from the big smoke, you are nothing. Uh, Americans are much more willing to entertain those ideas, uh, no matter where they come from. And uh, in Canada, not so much. We've created a situation where it's Toronto is the center of the universe. All things spiral around that. The rest of us are here to really just kind of you know fill in the gap. Paul, uh, I hope that um, our friends out east get to listen to this because change needs to come. 
Well, I hope you're right on that. And, uh, you know, this is just a small thing about how we measure stuff. But uh, be careful. Choices have consequences. And uh, you, by choosing to do measurements along the basis of per capita, you have picked a winner and you have picked a loser. And I know they do it consciously and they're very happy with the way this works out. I think our job is to just blow the whistle on that and say, please take another look. Paul, thank you so much for leading us on this conversation. Not at all. Take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. Do share the insights that power Saskatchewan with friends and colleagues. Saskatchewan Matters is proud to be a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network.